listening to How I See It, hosted by Han. You guessed it, that's me. I am here to motivate and inspire you with guests from all different industries and backgrounds. So get ready for personal stories of success, of growth, full of highs and lows, and of course, unapologetic realness. This is How I See It. Okay, you guys, I am here with Shay Bacani of Censure. Look at me go. <laughs> um, I'm so excited to have you here. When you reached out to me and I read the email because we were going back and forth and I was like, oh, we got a San Diego girly, but also a finance girly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in, in our original conversation, we talked about this. This is kind of like a rarity. It's starting to become more popular. I think women just getting super involved and out there with like their knowledge and finance. But I still feel like it's something that a lot of women are like embarrassed about that they don't know a lot about. So I am so excited that you're here. I'm excited too. And that is true. I think with finance and women, you don't see it. It's not on the forefront. If they are, they're hidden in someone's corporate office or a firm. So I hope that the more people see me and showing up online, they're like, okay, I'm going to take my skills and also get into finance or also get into accounting because we are needed in this space. Yeah. And I think also like not being embarrassed that they don't know Mm. this information. I think that I was checking out your social platforms, which is another reason why I'm so excited to be here, like that you're here today because I have so many questions right now. So I was looking at everything. I think people are just kind of scared to ask these questions. Like they feel almost stupid Mm. for not knowing. And I don't think people should because especially as women, I feel like a lot of us just don't really get this access. And even men and women, I think there's not even classes we're taking in like middle school, high school, college, unless you actually sign up for them that puts you in a space to learn this kind of information. So I want you to just get into everything. So I'm a bad storyteller. We got to preface this first. So I am Shay Bacani, as she mentioned, a CFO, financial strategist, consultant. And Centra Financial is a financial management firm for women by women. And we really, our primary focus is to help women preserve and manage and retain their wealth. Because right now we are in just like remarkable times where women are making money in industries where 10 years ago we would have never thought possible. So not only just in business but the creators the artists the influencers are just making a crazy amount of money but now we are also becoming the largest consumer and before when you think about consumerism that was really something that was targeted for the middle class yeah and right now it's being targeted for the upper middle class of women because they know they have the finances to do so and so I really want to be able to get these high earners now get them while they have all the wealth and get them while they're energized and they're still going because I'm like we have to take this and we have to be strategic we have to be smart because who knows what opportunities they're going to try to take away from us in 10 years so true realistically speaking we know how this game goes so it's like yes take all the money but also be smart and also invest it and also just keep it you want to keep what you actually make a lot of times people will start making money and they get really really excited Mm -hmm. because they're like excited that their dream business whatever it is is taking off and you don't really it's like almost like a background thought of like what I'm supposed to be doing to preserve it and like keep it going you just kind of I feel like a lot of people even responsible people get really like spend happy or like they just like are putting it in an account but not doing anything with it or they don't know how much they're supposed to be putting back into their business because it's traditionally supposed to be an afterthought like when you think about making money 
the traditional financial advice tells you that you're supposed to just put it, put in a 401k and then like, it'll all be okay. No, that's actually not how money works at all. If you think about the basics of money, whether someone has a hundred dollars or a hundred thousand, when you get it and you spend it, it's no longer yours. So it's literally just addition and subtraction. So you have to think, okay, how can I multiply it so I can keep it coming to yeah. me reoccurring? But that's never taught. Even the like mediocre financial advice that is taught, it doesn't touch base on the fact that, okay, this money isn't going to be here forever. I obviously have to have somewhere to live. I have to have a car and we're not even going to get into the fact that people always go overboard with the you know yeah. the luxuries and all those things but aside from that even if you are going overboard I always tell clients I'm like okay I want you to have a, qu a nice quality life you can live a life of luxury but you have to take care of the other things you have to yeah. make sure that it's here for the long run before you get into the luxuries there's your guys's intro this is why <laughs> you should stay in the conversation so good okay so, so good I can't wait okay let's rest. get into it yeah, so, so how did you get here so I actually fell into finance maybe that's why it's not that intimidating so my dad worked at the Chicago Stock Exchange for most of my childhood wow. that's all I knew my mom worked in corporate accounting which when I was younger I had no idea what she did I'm just like she types <laughs> on a computer but it's funny now seeing it full, full circle but um taking it back a little bit so at 18 years old I was young dumb and reckless I got pregnant right out of high school wow. and I had my daughter and I'm sitting here broke on government assistance there was even a point where I was like sleeping in the car with my mom and I'm like this wow. is not how I'm gonna raise my child there's no way in hell and so I'm like okay I have to get it together so I this was like the YouTube era Jaclyn Hill Jeffrey Star and I'm like I'm gonna move to LA I'm from Chicago born and raised that's also why I talk super fast so I love it you gotta listen to this on like 0.5 speed so it's that time of year right so all that is happening I'm like I'm gonna move to LA I'm gonna be a celebrity makeup artist Mind you, I wasn't even doing makeup. Like, I was doing makeup on myself, on friends. Like, You're like if Jeffree Star can do it, I can I can't. do it. This is simple. Like, if Jackie Aina can do it, I got this. So I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Now, at the time, I was working at, as an admin at this company. Okay. They had a location in San Diego. I'm like, perfect. That's close enough to LA for me. Like, <laughs> I had never been to California, never been to San Diego or LA. Didn't know anyone that lives here. I'm just like, this is what I feel called to do. And I felt so aligned. And so I told the company, I was like, yeah, my parents, I'm moving to California. So I have to get a transfer. Mind you, they were not. That was just my excuse so to make funny. sure they say yes. And this is with your daughter and everything. She's like, so I went back to work probably when she was like a month old. Wow. I remember I was like sleeping sometimes at my desk because I was like, you know, going through that motion. Wow. And so she's like probably no more than three months old as I'm like putting the transfer and making the decision that I'm going to move because I'm like, I am broke. Like there's nothing left for me here. I can't raise her like this. And so I was like, OK, I'm going to, you know, go to California. So I put the transfer in. Weeks go by. They didn't say anything. And out of nowhere, they're like, okay approved you have to go in two weeks wow and I'm like I have nothing left for me here the lease at the apartment that I could barely afford rent at that was up in two weeks wow. everything was just kind of aligning and I'm like I have nothing left here I have to go I pack my bags which wasn't really a lot <laughs> and I just take my daughter she's six months old we drive from Chicago to San Diego it took us three days to get here we land and I swear I was broker in California that I was in Chicago because oh I took the gosh. money that I got like I had like you know the last my last paycheck was, was two weeks of work yeah. I took that and put it right to a hotel. We had nowhere to stay. We knew no one. Luckily, the hotel had free breakfast. And so oh, that's what goodness. we used to eat was the free breakfast. I would like rack up on oatmeal, rack up on fruit cups. And so all the while, I'm like also posting. I have my makeup kit. So I would just do my makeup and post looks and just be like, I'm a makeup artist. I would post on Instagram and Facebook. I started getting clients. So I got here in November of 2016. Uh -huh. By December 31st of 20, that same year, I was fully booked with clients for New Year's Eve. Wow. Now, mind you, 
you, I was cheap, but I'm like, to Still. me, I'm like, this is motion. This is traction. And so things are picking up. Like I'm not making a crazy amount of money, but it's still picking up every weekend. And then also I'm still working the job. I got, you know, I was an admin, so I'm an admin here. But anyone that's worked for a small company already knows that when you get hired as an admin at a small company, they have you do the job of four people <laughs> and they only pay you for the job of one. So yeah. they're like, yeah, we don't have anyone in accounting. So you're going to do accounting. And I'm like, okay, like how hard could that be? You know? Yeah. And I started doing it. I'm like, no, they need to pay me for this. So I took my experience. I submitted to another job. It's, I can't say their name. I think I transferred and it was one of the best companies that I transferred to. It's a, com- a biotech company right off the 805. And I loved it. And it was there that I was really immersed in the role of only accounting. Okay. And I'm like, okay, like my mom's like, you should really take it seriously. Like things can really take off for you. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like I came here to be a makeup artist and that's what I'm going to do. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm just ignoring her, but I think she was saying, it because I was I would always tell her like oh yeah I got to do this at work and you know I'm really moving up and so she saw the potential and I'm like I don't care like I come yeah. here to, I get my paycheck and I leave and I go do makeup yeah and so makeup starts taking off like I said I'm getting clients but then I'm also I get I got trained by a celebrity makeup artist so I'm wow. going to an like, LA like almost every weekend I'm finally, wow. I get to LA by the way it's disgusting and dirty and I was like no San Diego for life for sure I literally tell everyone it's that. so gross you, I'll go up for influencer events and stuff and they're like when are you coming, moving out here? I'm like, never, never. I'm like, I don't mind the drive. Like it, I just couldn't. I love it here. I, mean, I love look at here. the view. <laughs> I'm like, I, no, I love San Diego. And I'm, that's why I'm so glad that when I transferred, it was here because I'm yeah. like, I would have been miserable in LA. So yeah. I start, you know, I had some celebrities, I had some influencer clients. Um, I got published in a magazine and like the makeup side, it's growing, it's thriving. I'm loving yeah. that for me. But then also at the job, one day walks in the new CAO of the company, a chief accounting officer, and she's a woman okay. and she has this blazer on this pen skirt in these heels and I'm like oh my god that's me like I can do that and that was the first time that I seen a woman who was in a c-suite position or just an executive position that wasn't overly masculine that wasn't just mean and just ill she was like bubbly she was beautiful and she was just feminine I think that's the main thing and I'm like oh wow I didn't know you could be like that in that role so I stopped I stalked her in the bathroom one day and I'm like I just love your vibe I would love to do a coffee chat I don't know I sounded probably so lame but she was like okay sure like let's do a coffee chat put it on her calendar and we met and we just she just really took a liking to me and she kind of just schooled me all on business and on finance and really how this engine goes. Wow. And so she introduced me to other executives of the company. I started um, doing investor relations. So not just accounting. So investor relations is like public relations, but you're talking to investors. So you're showing okay, cool. them, okay, how to communicate your financials to an investor, how to communicate the value of your company. And then I start working um, in sales commission. So I started understanding, okay, how to take your employees and have them generate revenue for you and what that actually looks like. Um, I started working in other sectors of the business, oh, financial planning and analysis. So this is like where you take financial pla- uh, financial data and you analyze it to use it to make you more money. And so I'm really understanding yeah, the branches, the br- how it all comes together. Because you go into a corporation, like a corporation costs a street you see the buildings you see a department but you don't really know how it all ties together and yeah. so I'm like okay this is how this engine of what business finance and how it all works so as you can see like both my career and then my side hustle are now thriving I'm starting to make more money money is coming through the door dude it's so I gotta stop you for a second <laughs> because it's so cool like where do you think like obviously you're a hustler like you work mm-hmm. hard like you're confident like where do you think that came from like was that something like displayed by mm-hmm. your parents and you just picked it up was it just this like intense yearning where you were like I know I'm not made for this and I want something better so I don't care if like I fail or like if I like someone says no I'm just gonna go for it because I think a lot of times people get like freaked out like I don't want to ask them for coffee or I don't want to do that like where do you think that came from do you think it's natural 
I do because I think <laughs> that's like, like I do <laughs> not like in a cocky way, but no, it's like I even when it. I was a kid, I always like I knew who I was and my mom's very strong and confident. Actually, my dad is, too. So maybe that's what it is. And my parents was like they always told me, you know, all the good traits about me. Like they they you know, they never tried to make me feel down. I was like I was my mom was one of those moms that if some, a girl didn't like me, she'd be like they're just jealous of you. And so. <laughs> Yeah, mom, thank you. So it was always like this innate confidence, but also you get confidence from just doing. You get confidence yeah. from taking action. And when I got to California and I turned literally nothing into something, that's a confidence builder. Because I'm like, yeah. okay, wow, I can do this. I'm not a pro. I'm not the best artist. But immediately I'm like, okay, I can do this. And so I think it's just taking action and getting things done that mm -hmm. makes you think like, okay, you can ask her. The worst she can say is no. And I and I kind of always used to feel that way about people. It's like the worst she can say is no or give me a stink look, but that's it. Yeah. It's corporate. They have to be nice. So it's like <laughs> you have to, yeah. you know, they have to do the corporate politics. And she was actually so excited that I asked her and she really liked me. And everyone I remember too, I was feeling like hot shit because I was the youngest in my department. Like I was so young. And so all of them were so confused. Like, why are you meeting with her? Or like, you know what I mean? I'm <laughs> like, like, cause I asked. Yeah, literally. That's all I'm thinking. I'm like, she's not this scary, intimidating person, but I kind I got that vibe the moment that I saw her and so I felt comfortable enough to ask yeah and so it really just opened up a pool of doors because had I not done that I would have still been accounting professional literally and the women that were in that department were there for like 30 years and I'm like oh fuck out of here like yeah that's never gonna happen so that's what made me also go I have to get out of this situation or else I'll just kind of be staying here yeah and so both areas of that life were my, I was thriving. I was bringing in money, but I was like, okay, I'm not keeping anything. Like I'm paying for, you know, to get myself out of the situation. I end up getting a studio and it was so small, but I'm like, this is all I can afford. And yeah. I'm literally just trying to make ends meet. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Like how am I making more money? And I still feel like I'm struggling. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a little bit of accountability and maybe it's me. Like maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I'm the drama. I love that. And so I started diving deep into like finance books and, you know, manifestation the law of attraction I really kind of got into that wave and like but every finance book in Barnes and Noble I've probably read it because I was like there has to be a science to this there has to be a way yeah. that I can get it and it makes sense because for me it just wasn't making sense at all and so what I was realizing was yes I was making it but I'm not budgeting I'm not saving I'm not doing really anything to be strategic and just from what I've learned in business finance which is completely different from personal but it all is based on strategy you have to think two steps ahead you yeah. can't just get the check and then spend it and wonder why you don't have it because you're not being strategic and so I started budgeting literally with the notes app on my phone I'm like okay this much goes to rent this much goes to saving for this this much goes to my daughter and I just started like kind of doing it that way it wasn't anything like super fancy um, I started saving I was like even if I only save $20 a month I'm going to save because I just wanted to know what it feels like to have a cushion yeah I want to know what it feels like to have money just left over every single month and then I got into stocks so like I said my dad worked at the Chicago Stock Exchange so that's always been my first like instant whenever I wanted to invest I'm like well yeah. it has to be stocks because I'm like I don't I didn't know anything else and um, I started getting into that and really stocks I would say it's very easy I don't recommend it for people because you know investment it's like it's not a one-size-fits-all you have to just do whatever works because yeah. it will work out long as you study but I'm like for that it was the easiest for me because I could just study business I'm going to study businesses and whichever one I feel like it's good enough I'm going to invest in it and then obviously I knew how to read a financial statement because I worked in business yeah. finance and so I went from just like having like a hundred dollars in my fidelity account to a multiple five-figure stock portfolio and wow. then I started to save five figures and then I was just like things were just kind of working out for me I'm budgeting and it financially it just felt good and it felt safe yeah. Then I came across this book. Remember, I'm, I'm, I'm reading. I'm getting my life together. Yeah. Drop the book. Drop the book. Okay. Uh, six months to six figures. Don't know the author, but 
six months to six figures. You'll find it on Google. And it was so good. And he was saying like, okay, if you want to make six figures, you have to understand your value. You have to know your high value skill. And I'm like, okay, obviously makeup is making money, but I feel like it's so much output required to make money. Yeah. Realistically speaking, every makeup artist could tell you this. You have to work a lot. That's why they say you have to love it. It was just kind of so exhausting and draining for me because obviously I have a daughter and I'm like, I'm trying to find this balance of like working full time, but also doing that full time. So I was like, okay, let me just figure out this skill. And I knew my skill was business finance. So I was like, I reached out to a um, business owner. She also worked in the beauty industry. So we knew each other. So and cool. I was like, hey, this is all I do at my corporate job. I would love to do this for you. And she was like, okay. I probably got paid like not even going to like $15 an hour. It was like way less than my corporate job. But I'm like, let me just test. Like I had no idea yeah. what to even charge. I never worked for a firm. I'm like, let's just start, right? We start working together and uh, it was the best thing ever because it became for me just being like someone that worked for her to a full on partnership and not necessarily like I'm a partner in the business, but I feel like I have stake in it because from the financial perspective, when you get so deeply involved, you're like, no, I want to see this through. I want to see this successful. This business went from 300,000 to 900,000 and I watched it all from start to finish and we completely gutted out all the systems and, you know, processes that she had. And we really made sure that she was paying herself correctly, that her team was getting paid properly that we were implementing tax strategies. I remember like the second week of working with her, I'm like, you need to fire your CPA because you're paying way too much in taxes. And this is just stuff that I knew from working in business finance. I'm like, I just see for what it is. There's a company, and I always say this too, there's a company somewhere out there doing it way better than you. So just copy them, even if it's just the infrastructure. And so that's exactly what we did. And the business was just, it just took off. I feel like there's like a couple nuggets in there that like are so good. One is the fact that like, I feel like, People want to do what you did, whether it's Mm. finance or whatever business or something they know they're good at. And they're like, this could be an income stream for me. But they're like so held back and scared because they're like, I don't know how to figure it out. And I always tell people and I talk a lot with like different entrepreneurs and people in the industry, like you just have to jump. And I think you did that. Mm -hmm. You You just have to jumped. And like even like volunteering, like for low pay to do this with a friend of yours was like one of the biggest stepping stones I would probably assume in the beginning of your career doing this. People don't want to like just throw themselves into it when that's really usually what it takes. And I think there's like a level of imposter syndrome, like self doubt, but you kind of just have to shove that down and do it. You just have to act and then think second. And I think I've always done that. And sometimes that's bad because you have to obviously think things through. Obviously yeah. now, now that I'm older, I think things way more thoroughly. But before it was very much based on like vibes. Like if I feel aligned to this and I keep feeling calls, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And so when you talk about jumping in, especially at a low price, I was thinking about even when I was doing makeup, I was doing makeup for like $30 of yeah. per person when I first got here, but it just worked. I'm like, I just need money and I need p- people. I need people to know who I am. It's not necessarily about me being this ultra luxury because that day came two years later I was charging a thousand dollars minimum to work with me and makeup so I was like okay it happens you just have to first just act first get good at what you do make sure people know you and then you can get a little bougie then you can kind of have a little structure in order to what you do because I think there's a value in getting experience Mm -hmm. in your name out and people forget about that and they like put up a high price and they're like why is no one like honoring this or they're just starting out and they don't know what to do and I think there's a value in doing favors for people and making connections because literally two years later to go from $30 makeup to a thousand or taking this company from what did you say 300k to 900k it's literally insane it's just experience I always say like I'm just yes they are paying me less but I'm getting experience in return and that's literally what started the business so that one client gave me a lot of referrals a lot of word of mouth and that's literally how I built 
built the business because before it was just like, okay, I'm just going to do this. It was just kind of something to make extra money pretty yeah. much. And I'm like, no, this needs to be done. Like, I was kind of like, if I can do this, I can literally replicate it and do it for other businesses. And so that's literally how Center Financial came about wow. because it was just word of mouth. And then COVID happened and I was like, okay, I need to get on Instagram. I need to get on social media because yep. business owners are in shambles right now. And they're just doing the stupidest things just because they don't know. And so that's when I started getting online. But really before that, we were already growing just solely based on word of mouth. And that's yeah. really how we got to where we are. We've worked with so many other women in business, especially here in San Diego. Um, we manage over $8 million a month wow. and co continuously growing. And yeah. congratulations. Thank you. You're such a badass. Thank you. So cool. <laughs> I have questions written that I want to okay. get to. So you told me on the phone that if there's an influx and you just said it, there's an influx of women who are making a significant amount of money now, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. What do you think is like the main problem? Like whether it's women or men, but like what is the main problem you see when you go into a business or you're helping someone with personal finances that you feel like a lot of people should know and address? I think the mo the biggest thing is that this time of where they are now will last forever. And, and okay. I'm not saying in the sense that you're never going to make more money than you are right now, but you have to think because most of our clients are millennials and they're Gen Z, right? Yeah. They are seeing unprecedented growth largely due because we have social media and we have literally access to our audience at our fingertips, which is crazy. Um, and then we also, we are just in times where bottle girls and like only OF girl, I don't know if I can say that. Can. Okay. okay <laughs> only fans girls are, you know, making a hundred thousand a year. So it's crazy because these are just the times that we are in. You have to be strategic and know that this will not last forever because they're going to start putting regulations in place why because it's women that's making the money now, if it was yeah. just the white men making the money everything would be smooth and fine and dandy and we'll keep this going just exactly how wall street is okay yeah. but now that women are making all this money there are people in a boardroom right now saying okay how can we regulate this how can we put the women in place that we prefer to put in place just like the entertainment industry where they gatekeep who we see and i think now this is a good time because influencers you have the audience now are able to pick their own influencers yeah but i'm like let's be strategic and figure out okay how can i make as much money as i can right now but also retain it how can I preserve it but so many people are just in the moment they're just making it it's like I've heard so many business owners like I'm just going with the vibes I'm just going with the flow and I'm like okay great but at some point that has to stop yeah and you I think have that to go was kind of transition and I think that's what kind of was happening to me this year is like I love my job I love doing content creation the podcast the working with brands it's amazing but I think this year I kind of started feeling this itch like I need to have something like under that I'm doing too mm -hmm. to generate more money. And I need to care more about the money that's coming mm. in so that I can not only keep it, but keep it going up. Yeah. That's like the goal. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's a level of like having to be real with yourself. Like you were about like makeup and me about what I'm doing. Like you can keep doing what you're doing and keep making a lot of money, mm -hmm. but be realistic about like how long it's going to last how much more you can do and what you can do to make sure it's protected, which I know is what you do mm -hmm. with your business. Yeah. So what are like some, like, is it different based on like, I literally am so like, I'm going to be so real. Like I'm so bad at finances. I don't not like so, so bad, but like, I don't know a lot about it. Yeah. So like, what are like the basics that you go in and teach about retaining money? Like what are some things that are just like easy explanations for people who are listening who are just like, I have no idea either what to do. So I think the basics, so our primary focus is on business finance. So we have a cl couple clients that we do personal finance for, but they're usually entrepreneurs. And okay. that's because, and the reason why is because business creates consistent cash flow. Yeah. Um, when you have something like even influencing, I'm sure even all the influencers can attest to this, that sometimes it's just shaky. And I don't like yeah. the inconsistency. Yeah. I like consistency with my money, even if it's just like, remember I was saying I save $20 a month, even that consistency does help. So I think having a business income is first yeah. and foremost, like don't just depend on just a job, have something that you 
you have full control of because when it's a business the control and ownership is all into you and then I have children so that's always going to be something that I think about of like okay how can I make sure that my money becomes their money and so different um, retirement accounts or different investment investment accounts is always number one for me I'm not a fan of 401ks I'm not a fan even I'm not crazy about an RRA I like just investment accounts have a stock portfolio whether that's something that you manage or that you hire someone else to manage but this is something that you can liquidate anytime like anytime a 401k you cannot get your money out which is the craziest thing you have to have something that is liquid for you and so I know people always talk about assets but I'm like that is really what the bread and butter is as far as your net worth and your business is worth so assets honestly like I said I got started in stocks but it really doesn't matter it's whatever floats your boat so it can be real estate and I know that's obviously super unattainable to some people today it can be art Mm -hmm. Um, it can be other avenues that is not necessarily traditional you just have to think okay what assets fit my lifestyle that I feel comfortable learning about and then just go all in Okay. And then you can invest and then let's say shit hits the fan. You're saying you can liquidate it immediately, meaning you could sell it, whatever, and get the money right away. Exactly. I like my cat, my money, any asset that I have that is very liquid. Same with the house. Obviously a house takes a little bit longer, but essentially it is very liquid. So when you get something like a 401k or an investment account that has all these rules and when you can take your money out at what time and who you can give it to, that's not really your money. That doesn't even make sense Yeah. because my money, I can pull it at any time. And so that's what you always want to make sure of, of if you have assets, and you have different avenues and revenue make sure you have access to it that's the only thing that I don't like about traditional finances they promote these things where I'm like that's not even really your money a 401k isn't yeah. even yours if you have to wait till you're 60 to get it <laughs> whose money is it then yeah. you know and then not to mention the economy tanks conveniently every 10 years so when hypothetically when you try to go get your money it couldn't even be there you don't want to depend on someone else to become wealthy you have to have full control so intense because I feel like all of this may sound like a lot to some people but it really isn't how Mm -hmm. do you simplify it for people like if you were breaking it down for the audience right now like Mm -hmm. to me like I'm listening I understand but like how can I like easily start to do this and understand it so I think to start before you even start wanting to be an investor and start wanting to be someone that like has all these different avenues and revenue streams you need to master how just how money works okay that is first and foremost you need to budget your money and we'll talk about that you need to save your money and then you need to have an investment avenue so when you're ready to make that decision you need to know what you're going to do you have to have a strategy and a plan so before I even invested in the first stock I'm like I was studying it I'm reading up about it because I'm like okay I don't have that much money to play around with so I have to make sure that my first go is a pretty good one but I think the first things first is understanding how to manage and have control of your money and all that starts with the budget and I think that's the scariest thing for people people hate the word I've heard on TikTok they're like well I call it an intentional spending plan I'm like I don't care what you call it it's it's <laughs> called the budget like let's and it shouldn't have a negative connotation to it yeah. there's nothing negative about having control of your money so a budget is just literally a financial plan with numbers you say hypothetically I make a hundred thousand and I want to keep by the end of the year a minimum of thirty thousand okay. here's where the remainder of my seventy thousand will go that's it my house will be this my car payment will be this I'm gonna put this much to eating out this much to groceries like you're just literally planning where your money will go it shouldn't be scary but people don't like it because then they'll have to say wow I have to get self-control now yes I was just gonna say I feel like the reason why a lot of people don't like to do it like myself included like it took a long time for me to get to a place where I'm like I need to look at this stuff is because there's this level of like shame Mm -hmm. almost because you're like what the fuck am I spending my money on this is insane yep that's that uncomfortable period 
period, but it's like, I always say it's like working out. Like when you first work out that first week that you're in the gym, you're like, Oh my God, I'm so out of shape. I'm about to throw up. I feel like a lazy sack. Like I don't want to go back tomorrow, but then the second week it gets better. And by the fourth week you're like, okay, I'm getting the hang of this. And it's literally the same exact thing. Like the first, I would say week of like really dissecting and going through your finances, you're going to be disgusted with yourself. You're like, (laughs) ew, I do this with my money. Or, you know, you're just like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that let the shame go. How would you have known? Like yeah. you have to just get over that. And I really truthfully only see that shame with female clients because male clients, I've had a clients, I don't really take males anymore, but when I first started my business, I'm like anybody bring it on in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I had some male clients and they had this one guy, he was so bad at spending money and he was just like, okay, well, what do I need to do? Like he was just so kind of nonchalant. I'm like, Oh, I want to be like him. Like he didn't yeah. really look at it. Like I'm shameful. It was like, well, that's why I hired you just to tell me. So now we can kind of move forward and I have a new direction. And he kind of just looked at it. I feel as just like, well, I didn't know. And now I do great. And obviously still he made mistakes and you're human. You're going to do that, but you still know how to get it back together because you don't carry the shame. And women, we always carry shame and guilt. So much shame and guilt with everything, everything. That's literally everything. And it's like, you have to just remember one, not only were you not taught about this in schools, but the traditional financial advice is literally set up. It's a, joke it's set up for you to fail and so you're literally kind of having to rewire your brain to say okay this is how you now manage money that's not easy that's actually very hard so the first time you go through that process of looking to say okay here's what I've been doing wrong it's gonna like make you sick to your stomach and I'm not even being dramatic but it's like get through that part and then go back again tomorrow and fix it up and say okay here's what I want to do going forward yeah and this is how you get better but you have to just get over that feeling for that first hump it's like going to the gym you got to go back in order to see results you just have to yeah are there any platforms that you would recommend for like budgeting or did you just like literally notes so in the beginning it was notes we're a little bit more sophisticated now <laughs> You're like start with notes and then move I mean honestly and I say this because um for what we use with our clients we use um a google spreadsheet and we customize it because I feel like that's something it's accessible to them yeah um but for tracking money we use wave or quickbooks okay um but then honestly if you are like a spreadsheets girly or you're just like i love google drive get on google sheets it's literally just as good um but i would say when it comes to budgeting you have to first just start with the basics and this could be even on a notes on your phone or it could just be a spreadsheet i always say don't overwhelm yourself don't do don't put it in something that you're never going to check yeah like if you're never going to check this bookkeeping platform don't put it in there if you're never going to check a spreadsheet don't put it in there start with your phone i had it on my notes app because I'm like I know I'm gonna look at this I know it's easily for me to go back to and like I mentioned the budget part is it's just calculations you get a calculator you get it on your phone and you put in where you want your money to go and you start there and then you track it and so every single every month and especially every 90 days you take a look to say okay here was my budget here's what I spent what was the difference and that's when you really start to understand like okay maybe I can't you know stop with Starbucks but I'll stop here or I'll get you know I'll move somewhere else or I'll get a roommate it's like you then start kind of working out deals with yourself to make sure you hear your goals but you don't really know unless you check back in yeah I think there needs to be like an awareness almost mm-hmm. when it comes to the, anything obviously but especially with this like you start to figure out with trial and error like what you actually spend your money on yep I think that was like a hard reality for me I was like I thought I spent my money like on like shopping or whatever and then I like looked and I was like oh my god I actually really don't shop that much at all I'm mm-hmm. spending my money on like dumb shit with mm-hmm. Apple Pay Do you have, 
side note, do you feel like Apple Pay has made you like more inclined to spend money quicker? So it does. And I hate when clients use Apple Pay because I'm, well, first of all, I work a lot with businesses. So I'm like, why are you paying someone or receiving money through Apple Pay? Grow up. That's first. And then, and then also it does make it harder to track. So I'm not crazy about it. Obviously the convenience. It's just so convenient that I feel like I overspend sometimes. So I think too, it's just like that financial awareness. So if you are checking your finances every week, before you send that Apple Pay, because you have it in the back of your mind, you still are going to be more hesitant about it. Yeah. So that's I think that's where the financial awareness comes in. So even if you aren't going to you know, pull out the full-on spreadsheet every month, at least just go to your bank account like every Friday and just take a look. I'm like, okay, here's what we did throughout yeah. the week. Here's what it's looking like. Because just having that awareness and going into the weekend with that awareness, you are, you are naturally going to shift. Because where you put your focus on is where the biggest impact goes. So if you are just focused, like, you know what? I told myself I wasn't going to spend that, so I'm going to just chill out for this week. Yeah, or I'm not going to do that. So you do you that financial awareness is necessary and it honestly will help. Like if you are someone like, OK, but I spend so much easier if I'm with my friends or if I'm out to eat, I'm like, check that bank account before you go. And I guarantee you, you won't do that. <laughs> so true. So true. And I think it's a balance thing as well. Like, 100%. I think, like people don't have plans like they just go into Ooh, like yeah. their life with no plan. And I think I've now worked out like a system like when I started budgeting the last like two years, I was like. I need to like track like the days I'm going to allow myself to like eat out yeah, or like the days I'm going to go grocery shopping because I realized I was just like wasting like a lot of money, whether I was like grocery shopping too much or like caught Mm -hmm. myself like buying something out when I knew I had food at home. Mm -hmm. So I think like providing like a schedule for yourself, I'm only going to drink on like these days or like I'm going to only give myself one or two days a week where I go out to dinner or whatever. I feel like you start saving more money and you really didn't even have to try that hard. Yeah. No, this is a fact because me and my husband did this. We have an Amazon day because we would go ballistic on Amazon. Oh my gosh, Amazon. Because well, and especially when we moved and we got a house, we're like, okay, like obviously we need all these things. We just kept finding things. And then when I moved, I got into the algorithm of all the organizers and I like started going, you know, running out of hand because I'm like, oh, I need this. I need this. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, let's just have an Amazon day. Like every Friday, we'll just buy everything that we need from Amazon that we put in the cart. And what we realized was like, once it's all in the cart, you start realizing like, oh, actually, I, I need don't need that one. I'll just stick to this instead. So it's like, that has really helped a lot because now, obviously, if it's an emergency, we'll, we're going to get it from Amazon. But for yeah. the most part, having that one set day where we're like, we're going to get all this. Once you have that all that in your cart, you're like, oh, wait, actually, I'm only getting what I need because I don't want to see all this go out at once. Yeah. And you will notice like when you're doing the Apple Pay and you're going out to eat or when you you're just getting groceries every couple of days. You spend way more because it doesn't seem like a lot in that moment. Yeah. So, but when you t- total it all up, you're like, oh wait, never mind. That is. So saving it all for one day has been so so helpful. I think as women, we're more guilty of this, but there's a lot of like emotional buying as mm. well when it comes okay, to Okay, we gotta Amazon. talk about that. We gotta talk about dude com- it's emotional such a thing. spending. Okay, I want to talk about this because this is something very, like, I'm very passionate about. Please, So when we think about emotional spending, so when you think about how the economy works, consumerism economy, that's really how it all functions. But everyone has a place in this economy. So typically, the middle class were who... um, they, when I say they, I'm not talking about us, we're talking about, you know, the people who really run this country. Yeah. They always kind of put the consumerism and the responsibility of the middle class. And then it was the upper middle class and the upper, upper middle class responsibility to provide the jobs for these um, middle class people so that they always 
always have money to stimulate the economy. But right now we're in a very different place because a lot of people are quitting or they don't want to go back to work. So now they've kind of replaced the consumerism role with the upper middle class of business owners. Okay. And they've placed that or independent contractors. And this has never been done. And my theory on this is I'm like, well, it's funny that they do this now that we have more women that are in that class. Yeah, very And true. we have more single women in that class. Before we would always be like married people. And typically when you're married accordingly, you spend less because obviously you have someone that's with you like kind of tracking your finances. Yeah, you're going back and forth. Exactly. So versus now it's just you. And obviously we are emotional spenders. But here's what makes me upset is because now they're social conditioning those women who have money to spend. When you look at Netflix, what do you see? You see um, Bling Empire selling Sunset. You yeah. see, um, you know, White Lotus on Hulu. And I can literally name a hundred shows where it's just wealth porn. It's just throwing it in your face. And yeah. people think, oh my God, like this is just escapism. Um, no, it's not because I'm going to tell you the difference between an advertisement and social conditioning. So think oh about, gosh. yes, get into it. Um, Manolo Blahniks. Sorry if I'm botching this, the shoes. Yeah. If they say, put out an ad right over here, put out a blip and say, okay, best shoes ever go buy it. Now it's up to us as the consumer to be smart and go buy it or be like, you know what? I cannot afford it. Yeah. But that's just an ad. But when they put it into a TV show like Sex in the City, where the main character continuously obsesses over these shoes, she goes broke for these shoes. She makes it seem like the biggest deal. That is social conditioning. And we are being sold to and we do not know it. And yep. that is a problem. Because what happened after that show and everyone, honestly, fashion and kind of like that shoe industry completely changed after sex in the city because you had a group of women who thought that was okay and normalized yeah. taking their money and putting into luxury shoes. Realistically speaking, Carrie from sex in the city couldn't even afford those shoes. No, she literally would said like that quote that's going viral yeah. right now of her being like, sometimes I just bought Vogue. And so what happens with these brands? And this also makes me mad. So typically when you see an ad on Instagram, it says hashtag ad, hashtag ad. But when you see it in these TV shows and movies, you have no idea that yeah. that was an ad. So when you even look at shows, um, I think they said they had it in Wednesday as well. There were so many shows. Um, but Sex and the City is the first to come to mind because that was entire era and aesthetic. Oh, my God. Gossip Girl, even. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of thinking ones where they just kind of really throw it in your face. And these were so many designer items that you've seen thrown at you. And you may think like, oh, my God, that's just what the character likes. No, those brands and that media company work together to now yes. position that product as the go-to item for the wealthy. Then what happens is we constantly see it we don't know that's an ad we think it's a way of living and now we're socially conditioned to believe that when we make a certain income we need that car we need to live in a penthouse apartment we need to you know or move to the suburb we need to buy this bag it doesn't even make sense because realistically, if we had the option, we would probably choose something else. Yep. I'm not saying that we wouldn't spend money, but we probably wouldn't go that route. And so wh what you see happening now is we are becoming emotional consumers and spenders because we don't know that all day, every day we are being fed these ads. Yeah. We just think, oh my God, I have to have this bag when I get this. Like I've seen this one coach who was the craziest thing. She was a money coach. And she's like, I always tell my clients, if you want to feel richer, buy a Chanel bag. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Realistically it's speaking, so what are you saying? right now that is not going to help if you want to become richer put in the work go yeah. get a business that's lucrative and has some value to it yeah and then when you can afford the bag go get the bag yeah. and i'm not saying don't get these luxury items i'm saying be aware that you are being sold to continuously so when you get these sudden urges and you think they're so random they're not they no. were placed on you in ways that you didn't even know totally. were happening i was just gonna say like i feel like this is so powerful because people don't really realize it mm -hmm. i think like of course companies are doing this like mm -hmm. it's genius it's so like, smart i'm like uh, well, you like, should be able to do this. Yeah, like I don't necessarily think like they're necessarily in the wrong for doing it. I think it's almost like our lack of like willingness to investigate like what's in front of us. 
Okay, if that so, makes sense. So to their point, because I always play devil's advocate, I would say before it's not their fault. But think about it. When you post uh, from a brand, you have to say hashtag ad. Yes. You have to say sponsor. Yeah. Why does a Netflix show not have to say that? I know. You're right. Why does a show yeah. that keeps telling me that I need to get shoes, I need to be in vogue, even think about, um, what is the movie? It's one of my faves. Devil Wears Prada. Yes. The title in itself, The Devil Wears Prada. That whole, the and then even the show Scandal, I don't know if you ever watched it, but she always had Prada bags. She was like this um, p- PR powerhouse, and yeah. she always had the Prada bags and the blazer. My immediate thought, and it's very subconscious, goes, okay, well, when I get that money, I'm going to get a Prada bag. Yeah. Because that is a you status be like symbol. A character. Yeah, and it's not, and this is human nature. So when people say, well, you're an adult, you can say no. That's not how social conditioning works, because yeah. we are tribal people. Like, our mind immediately goes to community. So when we hit a new tax bracket, we obviously want to fit in with our community. That well, is just yeah. a natural trait. And you're kind of trait. looking for a way to celebrate and we're conditioned to think that means buying something. That You're conditioned to think that means buying those brands. Now, if you look up the wealthiest brand, it's going to be LVMH, the holding company. So um, Bernardo No owns LVMH. They own all the other luxury brands. And I'm like, okay, how is this the number one brand? And they became the number one brand during the height of COVID. Wow. And when you look, what were we doing? We were all TV. watching TV. We were all being socially conditioned Insane. without our knowledge. And meanwhile, everyone is obsessing about this Birkin and this bag. I'm, maybe I'm too poor, but I've never seen a Birkin bag commercial. I've never seen an advertisement. But what I have seen is people obsessing and hyping about it. Yep. And when I look at old TV shows, I'll see them. Even Sex and the City, they're like, it's not a bag. It's a Birkin. Do you really think that's how that casting director and that writer felt? No. Or Hermes sat down and said, okay, this is what we need. We need you to position this bag as the bag for the wealthy, as the most exclusive thing. Yeah. And we kind of just stuck and we ran with it. And that's where it is today. Now, I'm not saying you should never get one, but I'm saying you, your place in the economy is to create jobs, it's to yep. create opportunities, and it's to be an investor. It's not to be a consumer. So it's insane. That's it's also our, insane. It's I'm crazy. so glad you spoke on this because I think that like it's kind of I don't want to say like I don't want to sound like negative, but I feel like it's out there to think this is going to change. Mm, it's not. No, no, no. But no. I think that having an awareness of like your spending is not only good for you, but awareness of why you want things. Yeah. I think like being able to self-reflect enough to be like, why do I actually want this bag? Do I want this bag because I want this bag? And if so great, buy it. If you can afford it. I feel like a lot of times people are just like, eh, I don't even really care about yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's really cool um, that you brought it up. I think it's a reality we live in. And I think it's genius for the companies to yeah. do. I think it's why I have a job. I think this is a huge part of being an influencer. But yep. like you said, we have to put ad. People know when we're doing an ad. Yep. It's pretty obvious. But I think there's like a happy medium where there needs to be like a level of education and awareness that you have within yourself. Integrity. It's, it's a level of no, integrity. Yeah, because no one, it's no one else's responsibility to teach you these things. Mm-hmm. You're being generous enough to share it on the podcast. Yeah. You just have to be aware enough to be like, why do I like these things? Why do I want this? What am I watching? And is this on purpose? Because usually it is. It is. You can't think that this is on accident. And so, like I said, buy the bag, but also don't be stuck in consumerism. Because what happens, and even when you think about the middle class of, and I'm not like shaming them. I'm kind of just talking from an economical standpoint. Like I'm not saying one is good and one is bad. I'm just saying typically if you want to go from what they consider middle class in the economy, which is someone who typically has a job or high paying business, and they just typically take that money and what they do is they put it into their home. And they think that their home is their biggest asset. And then they also spend it. So their car payments, they typically owe the most money to the bank. Just 
based on the category of what the middle class is. And then when we get to the upper middle class, typically this person has assets and they get money from capital gains income, which is when you like buy a stock and you sell it. They have um, dividends income. They have business income. So they are a little bit more, uh, they don't get their money solely from someone else. They get, they, they are essentially their own economy, but then they put it right back into themselves and they can put it into creating opportunity. And so when we talk about how to shift and really become wealthy and not just become rich, that is where the shift happens is when you kind of get out of that consumerist mindset where it's like, okay, yes, I'm going to buy this, but I'll probably just do, you know, timeless pieces, work on actually building wealth. And then once I'm actually rich, I'll go back and get anything I want. Yeah. But if you have to think about a luxury purchase, chances are you cannot afford it. Would you say that this is probably one of like the biggest things you've come in contact with when you're working with business owners, like their spending habits? I think it's more personal, but when okay. it comes to business, the biggest problem, especially because we only work with women is honestly our mindset and the sense that we think that we need to be charging lower prices than we should. Ooh, yes. And it happens all the time. And it's so crazy. Um, so I'm going to give you guys an example. I always tell my clients, I'm like, okay, you give me the goal and I'll create a strategy and a plan to make us get there. So they're like, okay, I had a client. She's like, I want to make, you know, 1.2 million. I want to do it in this time. I'm like, okay, cool. Let me go see what we can do. I come back. I'm like, in order to do this, we can keep our same customer base, but we have to go up on our pricing by this much. But mm-hmm. this is the plan. Like we can bring, and I was like, okay, present this plan to your marketing team and just see if they can maybe, she was like, no, I don't, I don't want to go up on my pricing. I don't want to do that. But I'm like, I'm telling you, this is what you need to do. Yeah. And she was just so against it. And, and we, you would tell her if it was like unrealistic or unfair. I would a hundred percent. I don't make shit up with people. I'm like, if we're not going to do that, I'm going to let you know when yeah. we can. But she was just so against it. And I see this all the time with business owners. Well, I'm like you are charging so ridiculously low and it doesn't even make sense. Like there are some yeah. people where like, okay, I like serving these customers. And if that was the case, sure. But usually that's not even the case. And so as a small business owner, we have very limited time. We have limited capacity. We usually have a smaller team. We just don't have the bandwidth to do what a company like Target or Walmart does. Yeah. We don't have the bandwidth to do what these large corporations does. We just don't have the money. So if you know that you can only fulfill a certain amount of orders or services per year, why would you have low prices? You can never get to your goal with that price point because you don't have the infrastructure to do so. Yeah. And so I always put it out like that. And they kind of just, it's always like a tug of tug of war. And I'm very patient and empathetic with my clients. So I'm never going to pressure them. Yeah. But I do notice that when I'm talking to men and I'm like, okay, we have to do this. It's always just like, okay, no problem. What do we have to do to get there? Because yeah. they're not looking at it from a perspective of I'm emotionally tied to my pricing. They're just like, okay, yeah. Cool. Like that's just what we have to do. And I think women are just like scared all the time of stepping on people's toes. And we were literally trained so to scared. do so. And they're so attached to the pricing. And my theory was that women, because we place so much of our worth internally and not externally, like men do, like men's value, they get it. If they go out and get the nice prestige job and a degree and all the accolades, yeah. they then place their worth on that. You could see a woman that has a degree. She can have an amazing job and amazing business. And she would still feel like she's not worthy to charge her prices based on whatever internal stuff she has going on in her head. Yeah. So if you see a woman, she's fighting for this. I'm like, what's going on with you? Like, why do you not feel like you are not worthy because it's usually always internal yeah and I'm like we got to get out of that because business is not like that it's not it doesn't care how you feel emotionally it just cares about the infrastructure I think in this industry too like the influencer industry Mm. it's really crazy how far rates fluctuate between yeah I think that's messed up because you guys have a different industry it's a lot of women Mm -hmm. like mostly Yep. yep and so like it's crazy how little some women are charging yep how much some are and it affects the women who are charging a fair amount because there's a group of women that are charging a lower amount. And it's just crazy how much it fluctuates. But my best friend always says, cause I'll run stuff by her. Like, do you think this is too much? She's like, 
no, I don't. I was like, I didn't think so either. But like, I'm a little bit nervous because it's like always mm. that like nervous energy when you're trying to like negotiate with a brand or a yeah. client or whoever it is. Business is not emotional. Like no. who cares if it's too high, they're going to come back and tell you. Exactly. And I think too, you made a good point. So here's what I think the influencer community should do. And I've been thinking about this for a long time because I always see people talking about influencer rates and what they should and shouldn't be charging. So um, years ago, the car industry had the same exact problem. Ford was charging way too low for a car. And then at that time, a lot of automobile companies were coming out and they wanted to make more and they all hated Henry Ford, but they're like, okay, let's all sit down and have a meeting and we're all going to charge this baseline for a car. So that way, when people go out to buy a car, they're not, we're no longer competing on price. Let's just compete on brand or yeah. let's just compete on functionality. But at this point on, we're no longer going to charge this low price for a car. At least let us have, you know, some type of a baseline. And I think all influencers need to get together and say, okay, guys, from here on out, we're no longer going to charge this amount. And obviously I know it depends on so many factors, but if you guys have a baseline or yeah. some type of metric to say this many followers equals this payment. I think that whole fluctuation thing goes out the door. Yeah. And, but women also are much more competitive because even there's a lot of industries and I'm not saying that like, I'm so like anti-women. I'm just saying, I think this needs to change because yeah. I think that the best things happens when we collaborate like this. Like even yeah. if you are my competitor, let's collaborate on this one thing to shape the entire industry. Well, and that's such like a deeper conversation was like, yeah. it's just a whole nother level. But like women are always forced to compete with each other. They're forced. And it's so forced. it's totally forced. It's like in, it's innate. It's, it's innate natural. now. Yep. And so, I can't stand that. Yeah. So I think that like, there's a level of that. Like there's this lack of like, I don't want to tell her cause I don't mm-hmm. want my business to be gone. Yep. I think there's also like, thank God, like the industry, at least my industry is like starting. It feels people are starting to like take it seriously and kind of understand like what it's worth actually. But I think there's again, this level of like no confidence with like money and business slash like, I don't want them to say no. So I know this is Desperate. worth a lot and I'm just going to like, price it lower because like, I want to make sure I get this when, and I think this all ties into the idea of like empowering women to know that like they're worth the work they do. The money is what's going to make you into successful business. And if you're holding yourself back in that way, you're never going to grow. Yeah. Cause that's what everybody else is doing. You have to think like that. Like whoever is the most successful in your industry, literally copy what they're doing. Obviously you have your own flair. Yeah. But in terms of the business infrastructure, why would you go recreate the wheel? I always like, say, say that. that. If you I have an influencer that. that's doing really well, like, and I think too, the influencers at the top, it's kind of in a perfect world, it would be their responsibility to kind of say, here is what I'm charging because that would set the standard. Okay. Like if she's like, imagine if Alex Earl came out and said, this is exactly what I'm going to charge for an Instagram, TikTok, and all these, you know, all this, imagine what that would do for the community and how people would be like, Oh, okay. It would trickle down, trickle down hundred percent because yeah. even a, a hotel, like the courtyard Marriott, they know what the Ritz is charging. So that helps them like, okay, I know my position in the market. So I'm going to be over here on this side. hundred percent. So how would you say from your perspective, you get people to see their worth like when it comes to finances and raising their prices, like how as a financial <laughs> advisor, mm-hmm. do you try and like get people to see it? Cause people could be listening being like, this is all fine and dandy, but like, it's not working for mm-hmm. me raising my prices. So you have to take the emotion out of it. You have to look up a brand that is same industry as you. I'm talking the most top tier luxury out of like, I'm talking the Birkin of your company and look at their prices that will make you very quickly, whether you think that you are the bottom, 
you will change your prices immediately because you have to understand. And I always say this when it comes to making money and business, the only two things that make the most sense is the value and your volume. So remember we talked about the volume of services or products that you yes. can do in one year, but also the value. So if you go into an airport, that water bottle is completely different at the grocery store. Yes. And then I use all that too. Yeah. And so the water bottle in Whole Foods is completely different from Walmart. So it's like, Someone out there is paying for what you have at a very low end and a very high end. And you have to figure out where you fall in that spectrum. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense for you to be the lowest if you are a small business. It just doesn't yeah. even benefit you in any capacity. Well, and I think this goes to risk too. Like, what is the worst they can say? I say that all the time. Like, what's going to happen? You're All that's going to happen is you're, stop, you're going to stop getting low end clients. And yeah. people say, well, I'm not going to get as much, you know, clientele. Duh, because you're charging way more. I yeah. would rather take two clients at $15,000 each than have to take on you know five clients at five thousand dollars because I'm like that's just more work totally it's just too much for me I think a lot of people used to ask me like in the beginning like probably about like two years ago year and a half ago like how I was like full-time influencing not at like 50k yet mm -hmm. because I charge a, like to me a fair rate uh -huh. for the content I'm putting out I know my value I know my worth I'm good at negotiation because I'm confident in the work I put out and mm -hmm. I care about a company's mission and at the same time like I'm fucking hustling like you just have to pitch and go and like reach out. And I think that's another thing when I think when it comes to women and finance mm. is like women are scared to like reach out and like pitch themselves and sell their own business to try and bring more profit in. Do you find that to be true? A hundred percent. They think, I don't know what it is because it's not necessarily ego because most women, even if we have an ego, it's not ginormous to the point where I'm not going to go pitch myself. It's usually like, what if they say no? What if yeah. I look dumb? And it's, it's a like, rejection thing. It's the rejection because women, we're not used to getting rejected. We can go out today yeah. at a nightclub and be like, okay, I want you. I want you. We are the choosers. So we don't get rejected. We don't know what that feels like, but in business, it's constant rejection. It's yeah. constant. And so you have to kind of get used to that. And that's such an icky feeling because you have to essentially get used to putting something out into the world that you're so passionate about and having someone tell you, no, thank you. Yeah. But you should have to push. It's just resiliency. And I think some people have it. Some it's like don't. emotional resiliency. It's emotional resiliency. But it's, anybody can get that skill. This isn't something like where it's like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm not born with it. It's like you can learn to get that skill. You just have to want it bad enough. Yeah, I totally agree with you. OK, kind of shifting. Are there like three things like I know you do a lot of business finance. Mm -hmm. Are there three things you would say to someone who's like struggling to like you said budget, but like struggling to figure out how to even understand finance like mm -hmm. finance for dummies like they're like I want to do this I'm budgeting I don't quite understand how to like invest or whatever other resources you would recommend I think okay I'm just gonna leave you with something and okay. kind of just explain very briefly about money okay. and kind of simplify it a little bit hopefully Please. yeah hopefully so typically when we think of money we think of this something that we have to work so hard to get without it and that's honestly what I found not to be the case. And this is someone who came here at ground zero and literally learned like, huh, that is not how money works at all. So when you think about money, especially in the U.S., our currency is not backed by anything. It's a fiat currency, meaning it's only backed by the belief in the dollar. It's like if we long as we believe in it, we believe in the stock market, the dollar is good. The moment that our belief we stop believing it it's bad that's why it says in the dollar i mean in god we trust they're trying to promote trust so understanding that it kind of makes you feel like okay wow not that it's one big illusion but it's not what you thought it was it's not something that you necessarily have to work toward because if you think about the top millionaires and billionaires they work significantly less than someone that has two jobs just trying to feed their family yeah like me like i had two jobs single mom trying to feed my kids and i was working significantly harder than the ceo of the company mm -hmm. and that is because 
that's not how money works, even though that's how they told us it works. And they told us it works like that because now we become employees for money. But yeah. the people who became employees realized very quickly, like, okay, this isn't the secret. Money, how much money you make is a direct reflection of the value that you bring to the economy. Because we are a capitalist society, whether you like it or not, I don't really care. It's just yeah. the world that we live in. It's capital. It's all driven on capitalism, meaning it's all driven on value and the individual value that you bring to the table. So remember we talked about if you want to go from, let's say, lower middle class or middle class to upper middle class, you have to create something. You have to create a job. You have to create some sort of value. It's the same thing. So when you think about, okay, how do I make my first $100,000? Whether that is through a job, whether that is through a business, you have to first find a value that is worth $100,000 or worth an amount where you can produce a product or service that can get you that outcome. Okay. That is it. It's all driven based on value. So even if you're an influencer and you say, okay, well, I want to make you know multiple six figures or seven figures you have to first be a person of value to the company that you want to pitch yourself to yeah and remember we talked about some companies may value you some may not you have to figure out who's going to be your highest bidder the highest yeah. person that'll pay you what's the void you're going to fill what's the void you're going to fill for them and fill it it has nothing to do with work ethic i swear to god i probably work five hours a day now because of the fact that i'm like okay me working hard has nothing to do with how much money that i make it's literally quite honestly irrelevant because you can buy someone else his time you can yeah. buy someone else's skill set you don't even have to have the most skills you have to understand the value that you live in so we live in san diego what is something that is valuable here like the influencer culture yeah. jet skis um rentals boats you have to anything find, with the sun anything in the sun just honestly there's so much i've seen someone I, I went to a tea shop yesterday and it was a complete store just filled with tea but that's the value to that customer so it's like you cannot keep thinking what more can i do it's like okay what value can i bring to the table that is how money is made and yeah. then and it's really gets so much simpler and i wish it was much more complicated than that but it's not and then we can shift over to money management now let's say you start doing that you start bringing in an income what is the first thing that you do the first thing that you do I like to do it's like a profit first method versus saying okay here's my income here's all my expenses here's what I'm left with it's like here's my income here's how much I want to profit every single month and then whatever I have left is what's going to go to my expenses okay. so let's say you make a hundred thousand and you say okay I want to make sure by the end of every year I at least keep 30 um, thousand 30 percent now you only have 70 thousand to budget with that's the money that you have to live off on nothing more less than less and so you have to be strategic and think that way first because most people are taught to get the money spend the money and then whatever they're left with is whatever they're left with. Yeah. And that's how you end up in the constant cycle of literally just working to pay the bills. Yeah. But if you get it and say, okay, this is how much I want to keep, then whatever you have left over is what you use. So you have to actually be resourceful in that case. But a lot of us don't put that idea first. Yeah. So that's really the profit first method. And that's helped a lot. Once you do that over a consistent period of time, you will notice you'll have way more money in the bank. Then that's when you start shifting over to just being someone that has a value, someone that has a budget, then to someone that is actually creating wealth for themselves you create wealth for yourself it's really wealth and like a simple term is when you just have more assets than you have liabilities and I know those words get thrown around a lot but an asset it could be money like I mentioned it could be art it could be stocks it could be the businesses that you have you could be investing in other businesses there's so many different forms of assets that it's hard for me to say go pick that one yeah. it's really based on what you can afford and the level of risk that you're willing to take and that is how you keep money going so me for instance if I'm like okay 
this is the asset that I have. I bought a house. Now I'm going to leverage that that house to get another one. I'm just leveraging every asset. I started yeah. with my business income to make me something else. I'm constantly leveraging what I have. And that's literally it. I'm not do, I'm not smart. I'm like, don't do anything out the box. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not, not saying I'm not You're smart. You're smart in the sense that you've educated yourself in something Exa- that's not yeah, accessible but I'm, the, my to point is like, I'm not this, like, I'm not PhD. You're not doing like magic no, over here. No, there's nothing. And it's nothing super intricate about it. And I think when you talk to people who have made a lot of money, they will tell you the same thing. It's like the majority of your time gets wasted trying to figure out how to make so much money. And then once you make it, you're like, okay, wow, really? I could have just, I wish I would have started at this level of being a person of value or understanding how it all works. And so I think that's where you have to start first. Once the money starts pouring in, you'll also notice that the opportunities kind of fall on your lap. I feel like the more money I have, the more opportunities I get access to because I have the capital versus before you have all these ideas and all these things you want to do and invest, but it's like, you have to get your shit together. You have to said the confidence is there too. Confidence. You get money. Yeah. Money definitely brings confidence. I think just like securing deals too. And that's what we're like touching back on your story it's like the more you reach out to people the more you're hustling and it works mm-hmm. out the more your i don't know confidence is instilled because you're like yeah. this is working this, this is, is working. working i'm understanding this thing of life now okay yeah. so 100% but i think wealth is much simpler and you know my, so my dad when he worked at chicago stock exchange he would always kind of break down stocks and a little bit of that for us and he would be like they just use all this complicated jargon because if people realized how easy it was to make money in stocks the market would be in trouble. And um, we used to watch Wolf of Wall Street and all these things. I'm like, is that real? He like 100%. Like, obviously it's a little dramatized, but he's like, no, that's how it is. Because it's really very simple, but they put in different words like dividends and all these different terminologies that no one knows what it means. So you you immediately go, oh no, I don't know that. But when you find the definition, you're like, oh wow, that's it? So you have to really jump in full force in a valuable industry. That's first and foremost. Yeah. I think it's like really interesting you bring that point up because a lot of the conversations we've had on the podcast, whether it's starting a business, whether it's starting your mental health journey, whatever it is, it's like there's this level of like fear that people have to start because of intimidation Mm -hmm. and not because it's actually hard. And we convince ourselves that like, oh no, there's no way we could do that. It's way out of our league of expertise, intelligence, whatever. And then when you actually take five seconds to explore something, you're like, oh shit, this was actually really, really easy. Yeah. I just think it's like human nature in general to be intimidated by change and things that we don't understand. And it's the people who can jump over that and acknowledge like, okay, this is a feeling. I'm not going to give it weight. I'm going to keep going. Those are the ones that are successful because you start to realize that this is actually just kind of a game mm-hmm. and it's not that hard. Yep. That's I mean, of really course all it, it is. takes hard work, but it's not hard concepts to like start implementing into your life. Exactly. And sometimes you don't have to always be the person that does the hard work. I think too, as women, we always like the do it all syndrome. Like if I have a business, yeah. I'm going to do it all. Like I'm going to do play all these roles. Why would you do that? That's not beneficial for you. And there's a business out there that does the same exact thing. And they have a team of people that do it for them. So it's not like you're doing, you're not, it's not like you're this magical gatekeeper yeah. that, is, that can only do this one role and you're the best at it. Cause realistically none of us are. So it's like, you have to be okay with outsourcing things to get it done because really it's teams of people that make money it's never just one person it's a collective group of people that make money those fortune 500 companies that you see the big corporations that you see that is all people in there yeah being able to drop your ego and admit what you're not good at and hire someone I'm so okay with this like I'm always like I don't want to do that I'm going to get someone else and I'm going to pay them to do that job I'm still going to make money they're going to make money and sometimes you'll make more money you'll make way more there's this story my friend told me of like this like real estate guy who like 
hired a driver mm. and like people were kind of giving him shit like why are you hiring a driver like what a waste of money but he ended up like doing something crazy like doubling his like revenue because he was getting so much work done mm. in the car mm-hmm. and he, like doing all his calls from the car and whatever that he ended up just like yes it was an investment at first and seemed dumb to a lot of people but to him he realized like that time in between appointments I could utilize to make more money and like he spent more money but ended up making way more money yep and so I think you need to be able to again all to awareness like you need to be able to like look at your money your life the things you believe the way you're getting work done and be like where am I wasting time energy money where can I add value and if it's about you you don't have who has it you need yeah. to find who has it. The job market is open now. I feel like the whole idea, the reason that the commercial real estate industry is tanking is because they keep trying to put people back into this box and these four walls. The majority of the talent is all over the place now. They're traveling. They're nomads. And it's like now us as like small business owners have access to these people. Yeah. Utilize them because these people have significant amount of value that you can now sell to other people and make money. Yeah. And would you say the way to find like maybe someone's listening like this, this sounds great. How do I find what I'm good at or like what value I can bring? Would you just say like try things out explore your passions what you think you're good at I think it I'm not even gonna lie it depends what age you are because I think like just and this sounds so messed up but here's my logic behind this so when you're in your I would say 20s or even like 20s to 30s you have much more time yeah as you start to get 40 50 not only it's not like you don't have as much time on earth but it's like your brain also works a little bit different you don't have the same energy that your body once had to maneuver be yeah. on these calls get rejected so it's like there has to be a time where you're like i'm gonna make this work and i don't always believe that you need to follow your passion i think you just need to know you need to see the opportunity if you can see an opportunity and feel like you're committed enough to stick it on out because remember before in finance i didn't like it my mom was like keep going I'm like, uh, yeah. no, I want to do makeup. But imagine if I kept doing that all in the sake of like doing what you're passionate about. Sometimes it's not always about passion. And I feel like that was also something that we were socially conditioned to believe. Totally. But the people who told you that they're in media, they're in oil, they're in tech, they're in the most boring industries possible. And meanwhile, they keep telling people to chase their passion. Yes, that works out for some people. And it truly, truly does. Yeah. But oftentimes it's based on your experience and sometimes it's based on maybe you worked a job that you maybe didn't really like but you have more experience than the average person you can then leverage that better than anyone else versus if you have let's say you worked at a company for 20 years doing hr right and then you're like well my passion is in drawing and art and painting now you have to now build a reputation as an artist yeah you have to build connections versus you already have this 20 years of experience in hr you know people you know companies you can then just leverage that and then once you become wealthy all you can do is just sit and paint all day yeah it's like you have to figure out like you have to just be logical and to say, okay, what makes the most sense for me? What, what do I have yeah. my opportunity? Where do I have the most opportunity well, right now? I think now? people limit themselves a lot. Like they think, well, if I do this, I can't do this. Yeah, that's a fact. You can do multiple things at one time. And yep. if you're doing it intelligently, you can probably make time conveniently for both as well in a way that you're not feeling overwhelmed. I think like, especially for a lot of people now with TikTok and social media, like blowing up, everyone's trying to be an mm-hmm. influencer. And I think that's great. I like love it. I love what I do. Um, I think there's a space for everyone. But I think that's a lot of it. Like the intention is not in the right place. And it's more like easy way to like get famous, make money. And like yep. life is easy. And if you actually know the space, you'd know it's not fucking easy. So like, welcome. I, I hope you stay. But like, it's more so like, I think there's just this level of like, I don't have to work that hard and I shouldn't have to do anything I don't like to do to be able to make money. And I think there's a way to balance like your passions and loves into work while also 
being realistic with yourself. You hit it right on the head. And I've been saying this too with like the influx of people wanting to be influencers. And sometimes I don't even think it's like I want to make a lot of money. They, this is just the only opportunity they see. Yeah. Like even when you think about all the different type of creators that you see out there, it's like so many, especially women, there's not many people that look like me or even a woman that are in finance that we can visually see. Yeah. And representation matters. Remember I told you like it wasn't until I was in corporate and I saw that woman dressed up to the nines, yeah. feminine. I'm like, okay, wow, I didn't know I could do that great because representation matters so when you have an industry and you're on your phone and all you see is the people that are making money are the influencers you're just like well this is obviously the best decision but Mm -hmm. you also have to go deeper it's like someone is doing the finances for these influencers someone's doing the taxes for these influencers someone has to record the content for them someone has to you know shoot this stuff for them so it's like you have to think maybe you aren't probably going to be an influencer if you're someone you don't like attention you cannot take hate you get overwhelmed don't even do it because there's other opportunities. Yeah. Think about the market as a whole and how can you serve the market rather than just being the person at I the forefront. I was literally just going to say that. Like, like even looking at your Instagram, like you're doing a good job of like integrating. Like, I think if you're a business owner, like if you're rejecting social media and it's used, then like you're just so behind. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you're to done. tell you. You're done. But like you can be like, in finance and be a finance quote unquote influencer and just like, focus on that niche. focus that on that niche it's the value you bring like why would you not consider instead of just starting over and being like I want to be a public figure like it's not it's so hard to do that now like it's not the age where like there's no Paris Hilton's and like all yeah. of this stuff like if you want to be online great it's a great way to earn more money but like bring your value your to the val- table your, what did we just say how to make that's money? gonna be the title of the episode it's like, like that's how you make money is through value i'm not making this shit up like if you try to make money you can work three or four jobs you still aren't going to be rich because you don't have any real valuable skill yeah you have to figure out what it is that you have in value and people are like i don't have anything everyone does everyone yeah. does ask someone else i remember i was reading this book they were like um reach out to the 10 closest people to you and say okay what is it something that you know about me or that you like about me and i remember doing this because i was like what are they gonna say and i reached out to everyone that i knew and all of them were like you're so smart you're intelligent you're brilliant and i was always thinking there was gonna be something else i was like i thought i was funny too but <laughs> <laughs> and it was that and i was like, okay so i have to use something with my mind and with my intellect because that's what kind of what I'm good at essentially. And so it's like, sometimes you just got to reach out to a third party and it sounds so corny, but it's like, what do you think of me? Like, what are you something that you could see me doing? What am I good at? Take a personality test. Like you got to just go and you got to take action. You can't just sit and dwell on things. Yeah. And I think for me too, like I've always been like very entrepreneurial, very driven, but like, obviously like, there's a level of like doubt and imposter syndrome that comes Mm. with like being an entrepreneur or like being a woman trying to make money. Like, I think that's ingrained from like a young age, like we've talked about, Mm -hmm. but I think you just go into a third party. Like you don't have to believe it necessarily yourself. If someone around you that you trust is telling you like you are smart and creative and intelligent, you can a hundred percent do this. Like, I just feel like you have to be like, you know what? Okay. I'm going to push down this doubt and I'm just going to go for it because if people around me are believing I can do it, I would say most likely you can do it. Why wouldn't you You believe it? You just have to push yourself to do it it yep so I was just gonna ask you last question like obviously you're a badass entrepreneur super successful again so happy to have you come on I feel like this is such a good combo what do you do to get out of those funks like those little like I'm not feeling good enough today or I maybe have a little bit of self-doubt or like I don't know if I can take this on or what did you do in the past when you were first starting this business 
there was a book I read and I cannot remember for the life of me. And they said, before you start your business, this, so, and I did this way before it was like, before you start your business, because you're going to have days where you feel like shit and you cannot do this, write down a list of every single thing that you accomplished that you're so proud of yourself. It could be something, you know, personal related, work related, anything that you've done. And I remember a couple things on my list was like, I got myself out of poverty. I went from sleeping in the car to now at least sleeping in a hotel to getting a studio. And I started writing down all these things of why I'm so proud of myself. And I always kept that list and so whenever I'm feeling like shit I'm like you know what I'm that bitch like I did all of these things yeah I've done you know I've went through unimaginable things and got out from myself so I'm like I can do this yes we have like a negativity bias um I've been reading this book called how to do the work Mm -hmm. with a few of my friends and she talks about this thing that we do which is like a negative bias where we tend to like even when amazing things happen Mm. we tend to just the only thing we are thinking about is the things we did wrong or like the negative Mm. bias that we have in our life yeah and I think we need to do a better job especially as women of being able to like acknowledge like no I actually am that bitch I did that you have to even if you sound so stupid but it's like think about how you talk about your best friend talk about yourself like that like wow you're really that bitch like you did that you really did shit that is unimaginable and when you say this to yourself you're like damn I did and that's where that confidence was coming from you're like how do you get confidence I'm like just doing shit gives me confidence because I'm like wow I at least I did it whether but if I can care if I'm comparing what I did to someone else of course I'm gonna feel like crap yeah but I'm just comparing myself always to where I was and every time I think about where I was and I'm like where I am now I'm like there's no way that I can just sit and have imposter syndrome knowing what I'm capable of yeah and so you have to just you have to know who you are you have to look back at where your life was and stop looking at other people yeah just yourself you're only in competition with yourself only I promise you no other but no one else is thinking about no one gives a fuck about you (laughs) I say this okay I say this to my clients all the time I'm like no one cares no one cares yeah. No one cares. Like when you are in your head, I'm like, no one cares but you. So you yeah. got to get out of that. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. The last thing I always ask people is like looking back on your journey, like especially for you, like starting in like poverty, living in a car with your daughter, moving across the country, mm-hmm. now having a successful company. Like how do you see it? Like how do you see the journey? Like what would you say to someone about what you've done? I think the biggest thing about the journey, I think is just realizing where you want to go and having a clear vision. I was always told that I'm so anxious. I'm like always in the future and that was really a bad thing. And later as I got into business, I'm like that's actually my strength is that I'm always forward thinking because I'm always seeing what's ahead I'm always worried about so five good. ten years down the line and so it's like some not everyone's brain is wired like that and that's okay but it's like I took that forward thinking that's always what got me through and I remember just even when I was broken I'm like this is gonna be my testimony like this is gonna be my story like yeah. and I would always think that because had I just sat there and soaked it all in and just immersed myself in the experience I would still be there but yeah. I'm like five years down the line like I'm gonna be a luxury celebrity makeup artist you know and I'm gonna be all these things and instead I'm just like no I'm gonna keep thinking forward I'm gonna keep thinking of what I have for me in the future because if I stay here mentally I'm gonna be here physically totally I talk about this a lot like it's very very hard as humans like sitting in this in-between moments especially Mm -hmm. when like you have a vision plan whatever I think though that true success is how you handle those moments because if you can push through them that's what's gonna get you to success because the people who don't get to where they want or don't have the successful business or don't create the reality they want for themselves are the ones that like got too stuck in that anxiety and doubt of like why is everything up in the air why is not happening why is this not happening the way it's supposed to happen but it's about resilience like we talked about emotional resilience physical resilience mental resilience oh yeah yeah I love it I love that thank you so much this was fun it was so fun please drop your handles so that people can check out your social media account check out the business all that 
Of course, so it's Centra Financial on Instagram and then Shay and Finance also my personal Instagram yes. and on TikTok where I'm a little bit more unhinged. Well, I'll just like go Ooh, I love it. that. I'm like, I'm going to go check it out <laughs> yeah. right now. Thank you so much, Shay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope you leave here feeling motivated and inspired. Do not forget to rate and review the pod on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to follow How I See It Pod so you can keep up with podcast updates and see who's coming on next. And if you're not already, come join the fam and follow at How Hand Sees It. Thank you guys. <laughs>